Well, good morning, movement. How are we doing this uh, Christmas Eve? Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good, man. You all are awesome. Man, one of the, so I'm Brandon, one of the guys on the team here. And one of the things that I learned in college was that I was kind of weird. And all of us are a little bit weird, in fact. Uh, my roommate pointed out to me that I, I eat cereal wrong. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how you make a bowl of cereal in the morning, but my favorite cereal are Honey Smacks. You know, with the, the red box with the green frog and the tongue sticking out? I love Honey Smacks. I mean, they're sugary. I mean, once you get to the bottom of the bowl of this Honey Smacks, I mean, the milk is just so sugary and it's so good, and I just want to have it injected into my bloodstream, in fact. Like, I love this cereal. But one of the things that my roommate pointed out, which was weird, is that I pour my milk in first, and then I put the cereal on top of the milk. It's a hot take, I know. Is anyone else like me that puts milk first? You do? Seriously? Sometimes. Come on, brother. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. Man, Grandpa Musselman would be proud of you. My grandpa taught me how to make a bowl of cereal the right way, which is milk first and then cereal. Because who wants to eat soggy cereal? I mean, come on. Why do you all like soggy cereal? Like, that's gross. Come on. The other one, though, that I pointed out to my roommate, which was a little weird, was his brushing the teeth routine and how he put toothpaste on his toothbrush. Now, the guy leading us uh, in worship, his name is Mark Papp. And Mark Papp does, he brushes his teeth wrong, okay? He just does it wrong. He puts toothpaste on top of a dry toothbrush. Yeah, like that's, that's totally wrong. That's the wrong way to do it. And if in case you were wondering, kids, if you want some advice, you wet the bristles before you put the toothpaste on. Now, how many of us wet bristles before we put toothpaste on? Yeah, you brush your teeth. You don't do that, Eric? Come on, man. Why? That's gross. Okay, so we all do it the right way. Now, who all does it the wrong way? And you put toothpaste on a dry toothbrush. That is disgusting. I want you to know. Like, that's gross. That's weird. All of us are weird, though, in fact. Like, it's, it's kind of weird. And, and maybe you have been pointed out that, hey, you're a little weird. Hey, so am I. But one of the things that I want us to kind of grasp and understand as we get ready to dive into this Christmas story, this Advent story, which is just this fancy Latin word that means arrival. Uh, that word Advent just means arrival. It's a, it's a Latin word, in fact. This Advent story, it's kind of weird, right? I mean, there's this virgin named Mary who this angel comes to her and says, hey, you're going to conceive a baby. But she's never done the act of how you conceive a baby. She's a virgin, in fact. And that's weird. That's weird. One of the uh, other things that's weird about this Advent story, this arrival of Jesus, is that there's a lot of people singing, in fact. Uh, one of our gospel accounts uh, is written by this guy named Luke. He's a doctor. So Dr. Luke writes this gospel account, this, this story, this good news account of Jesus' life. And that's where we're going to be this morning. So if you would, would you open your Bibles or clip your Bibles open to Luke chapter 1. Specifically, we're going to be in verses 67 through 80. And then we'll jump over to John chapter 1 in a little bit as well. But if you don't have a Bible, uh, you can go to your smartphone. You can go to the app store and you can type in Bible. And there should be this app called YouVersion Bible. And you can download that for free. And this morning, I'm going to be in the New International Version as we jump into this arrival story, this story that all of us get Monday off, hopefully. 
But it's more than just getting a day off work. It's more than just setting up a Christmas tree. It's more than just watching Hallmark movies and drinking hot chocolate and hoping one day that you can have a love story like those Hallmark movies. It's so much more than that, in fact. It's a love story. It's a story of hope. Uh, It's a story of peace. It's a story of joy. It's a story of love. And one of the questions that I want to kick us off as well is I want to ask, what makes you sing? Uh, I know what makes me sing, that a hot shower makes me sing, and I'm not very good, at least that's what my wife says. I'm not very good at singing. But sometimes we sing, you know, maybe it's, it's for joyous things, like happy birthday, the happy birthday song. You know, like happy birthday, Rob. Maybe that's someone who you sing happy birthday to all the time. Like we sing happy birthday because it's a celebration. We love singing during celebrations. I mean, we sing at weddings. We sing at sometimes in, in church buildings, in fact. But also we, we sing... Maybe when we've been broken up with, we turn on some blues in hopes to, to maybe, maybe, just maybe, this song that I sing to so loud in the car that no one else can hear me, but my voice is amazing. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, it'll, it'll make me feel better. Uh, maybe we sing after a stressful day of work, and we turn the music up loud, real loud. Maybe we're driving the coast of New Hampshire And we look out at Hampton Beach and we see the the glorious Hampton Beach and how beautiful it is sometimes. Or or maybe we we take a drive up on the back roads of the White Mountains and we roll down the windows and we're just singing to these songs as we're witnessing just God's beauty in the mountains almost. What makes you sing? The weird part of this Advent story that Dr. Luke records is he records two songs, in fact, and the, the, the scripture that we're in, Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 80, is a song. But I need to give you some context to why this guy, Zechariah, who is a priest, is singing, in fact. He's a priest, but he hasn't been able to talk for nine months, in fact. So this guy, uh, he's a priest, Zechariah, so he's doing these, these priestly duties, in fact, in the temple. And then angel, this, this angel named Gabriel comes to him. And Zechariah and his wife, who is named Elizabeth, she's, they're kind of up in age a little bit. They're elderly, in fact. And they haven't had any kids. And that would have been a shameful thing, in fact, in the ancient Near East during this, this time that this story was recorded. Having kids was, meant that you were blessed, in fact. But Zechariah and Elizabeth, they weren't able to have any kids. They, they were barren, in fact. And this angel Gabriel comes to Zechariah and says, hey, you're going to have a son. And he's like, dude, I'm old. Like, I, I, I just don't know if this is going to be able to happen. Elizabeth is a little older as well. Like, I, man, whatever. I, I hope you're right. I don't know if you are. And in fact, when he starts questioning this, this angel, the angel says, okay, God can do what only God can do. So you're going to have a kid. Also, you're going to be quiet for nine months. Now, my wife, Alexia, is on staff. She has not been pregnant. So I don't know if me being quiet for nine months would be a blessing or a burden. I'm sure it could kind of be both at some times. So I'm sure Elizabeth is a little bit like grateful that Zachariah can't talk. But on the one hand, she's also like, okay, this is getting real annoying. Why did you question that angel Gabriel right now? And the reason why he, he's not able to talk is because he, he was doubting, in fact, it seems. And in order for him to, to have his voice be back to him, he needed to name his son John. And we get to this, the scriptures before verse 67, and we see that Elizabeth has this baby. 
And they're asking Elizabeth, well, what are you going to call this son of yours? And she's like, well, John. And people are questioning her, like, why are you going to name this baby John? Like, no one in your family lineage has been named John. That doesn't make any sense. And then so they go to Zachariah, this guy who can't even talk, and they ask him, hey, what is this baby's name going to be? And he gets down maybe like a clay tablet or something, and, and he writes, the boy's name shall be called John. And he can finally talk after that. It says immediately... His voice returned to him. And immediately he starts singing. What makes you sing? After nine months of not being able to talk, Zachariah starts singing. And this is what he says in Luke chapter 1, verses 67 through 80. It says this. It says, His father Zachariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praised be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people, and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of, of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. And to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God. By which the rising sun will come to us from heaven and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew, became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. The first thing that comes out of Zechariah's mouth after nine months of not being able to talk is not, hey, honey, how are you doing? It's worship. He's singing praises to God. Praises to God because Zechariah is singing about a God who is faithful to his promises. Zechariah is singing about a God who is so merciful. He's singing about a God who is forgiving. Zechariah is singing about a God who is holy, who is righteous, who is a redeemer, who is a savior, and who is a rescuer, who is a God of peace, a God of hope, a God of joy a God of light, and a God of love. These words teach us who God is. And they teach us what God is going to do. We see this in the, in the arrival of Jesus. John the Baptist, this baby that had been born, is going to point us towards Jesus because Jesus is love. And I want to say that again, again, because if, I, if you want to remember anything about this Christmas series or anything about this Christmas time, it's that this, Jesus is love. And love has arrived. The Christmas story, the reason why we get Monday off work, the reason why we watch those cheesy Hallmark movies, the reason why we put up Christmas lights, the reason why maybe we even came to a Christmas Eve service is because we've all been looking for something. We've all been longing for something. We've all been waiting for something. And that something 
is the arrival of love. And the wait, it's over. It's here. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is here. And I just want to point out two things from the text to talk about today. The first one is this. There's this churchy word. Now, I didn't grow up in the church. So when I came to church for the first time, when I was about 17 years old, we did this communion thing. And communion's kind of weird. Because this pastor at the church said, we're going to take this piece of bread and we're going to eat the flesh. And I was like, wait, what? Like, come on, that's weird. And then we're going to take this grape juice and we're going to drink it and it's going to resemble the blood. And I was like, I'm good, man. Like, this is, like, that, that's cool that you all do it, but that's weird. Like, that's a real churchy thing. And this word, salvation, is churchy. And I remember hearing it for the first time and I was like, man, I've never heard that word. I mean, what does that word even mean? Salvation means this. It means rescue when everything feels hopeless. Zechariah sings that word three times in this song. We're rescued from sin. This alienation from God and its consequences because of sin. Death. Because of Jesus' life. Because of his birth. And because of ultimately his death and resurrection, we're rescued from defeat. We're rescued from fear. We are rescued from brokenness and and darkness. And let's be honest, the world around us is so dark, it seems. It's so broken. I mean, you can turn on the news. You can listen to a podcast. You can go on Twitter or X, whatever it's called. You can go on Facebook. You can go on Instagram. And you can see all sorts of different types of brokenness. You can hear And maybe you can even witness all different sorts of darkness. However, through the presence of God, us, all of us in here, we're offered this salvation. We're offered this victory when everything around us seems to be just defeat. The second thing is this. I want to turn our attention to verses 76 through 79. This is what it says. It says this. It says, it's you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of, here's that word, of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of God, that's because of the tender mercy that we're offered this salvation and the forgiveness. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. And Zechariah is kind of using metaphoric language. And as uh, the team and I, we have a teaching team that collaborates to write these messages. As we were kind of collaborating together, uh, I came across this article from the University of Arizona by this lady named Vicki Lay. And Vicki Lay did this research. She's, she's a professor of psychology and cognitive science at the University of Arizona, as I said. And she came across this, this research, this study, on how we, as people, we understand metaphors because of our literal experience with words. So if I say, like, he's so sweet, literally, when you bite into an ice cream cone and it's sweet, When I say the word sweet or like he is so sweet, that same brain activity that's going on in your mind right now is what's happening in order to understand that word, he is so sweet. And when we're talking about Jesus is light, that same type of brain activity where we understand light and we see light and we love this this light, in fact, 
is being activated here, and it's resembling love. And we all could use some more light in our lives. I mean, Thursday, we just walked through the longest uh, night on Thursday. One of my favorite things about New England is that first warm spring day. I mean, we've all trudged through the winter, and in fact, when the sun comes out and it's like 60 degrees on that first April day, it's like a whole brand new type of people are out. I mean, the sun is shining. We're all smiling. We love the light. We're attracted to this light because we're attracted to, attracted to love. Love that's not transactional. John is another biographer of Jesus, and he's, he's kind of a, a different Different type. Uh, one of the ladies on our staff, her name is Elisa. She would describe John as kind of a hippie version of the gospel writers, in fact. He kind of just goes his own way with things. And this is what he says in John chapter 1 uh, through verse 14. This is what he says about who John the Baptist would point towards. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children, born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And this word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus has arrived. This is who Zachariah's son would point to. That is the reason why Zechariah is singing. Why or what makes you sing? The light who gives life, the light who is love. We are invited into this lifelong journey of faith with this love. A journey that's going to take us up to some of the highest and most wonderful mountain views, mountaintop views in the entire world. But it also takes us through some of the darkest and lowest valleys that we could possibly go through. This lifelong journey is not just a blind optimism that refuses to be present in the dark, yet comes to us in the midst of the dark and lights the darkness up. And this love, it shows up in the darkest of places because Jesus is love. And darkness is becoming nothing but a shadow, all because of the gospel. Another churchy word that just means good news. Jesus, the love of God, has come. It's here. It has arrived. And luckily, this weird story 
It's not just a fairy tale. It's a story of love that we all need. So what are you waiting for? Some of us in here, we've been craving this love that's not transactional. We've been learning, we've been yearning for it. We've wanted this hope, we've wanted this peace, we've wanted joy, and we've wanted love for so long that we've tried to find it in other things. And Jesus coming, Jesus arriving, means that we don't need to look any further, but we only need to look to him, the Savior of the world. He prayed for me. He prayed for you. He prayed for all of us that we would come to trust in him, that we would come to experience his love. Uh, maybe some of us in here, we've been, we have, we have followed Jesus. We do follow Jesus. But man, that light, that love, it just seems so far away. It just seems so dim. It seems like I cannot see it anywhere around me. One of the encouragements that we would give is man, find a community of Jesus followers to join. And that doesn't have to be here at Movement. We would love for it to be. But find a church family that can love you well, that can point you straight to Jesus, that you can lean into on the mountaintops of this lifelong journey of faith or the lowest of lows through the valleys. That light, this love, it isn't just something that we keep to ourselves, though. One of the great things about this love is that we receive it, but we also get to re release it. So who is waiting for you to share this love? There's someone in all of our lives right now that needs to know this love, this untransactional love, a love that maybe sends a text inviting someone last minute to come celebrate a Christmas dinner with you or a Christmas lunch with you. Maybe it's a friend, a boss, a coworker. Maybe it's a spouse, a husband or a wife. Maybe it's a, ch a child. Maybe it's a college roommate. Maybe it's a friend that needs to hear this love for the very first time. Could you send them a text encouraging them? One of the things that we've always tried to encourage people to do that come to a Christmas Eve service is from now to the time of the new year sometime. If you go out to eat, would you consider tipping the waiter or waitress, 100% of your bill? And would you write an encouraging note down to them? A kind note. Don't be mean to them by any means. You know, we're trying to show love here. But would you tip them 100% and would you write them an encouraging note? Because brothers and sisters, the love of Jesus, it leads us into dark places so that we can experience light and so that we can show light and love in those dark places. The Christmas we get to celebrate that the light and love is here. Jesus has come. And Emmanuel, God is with us. Jesus is here. And Jesus is love. What makes you sing? And glory to God in the highest. Would you stand to your feet as I pray? Father God, God, thank you. God, thank you for this 
this weird birth arrival. God, thank you that Jesus would grow in stature and would grow in wisdom. That he would live this, this perfect life. He would show love to all sorts of different people. And God, he would show love to us by going to the cross. God, thank you that that first we get to celebrate an arrival story, though. God, help us to sing of this arrival. Help us to show love and help us to receive love. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.